podcast. I'm Maya, the Amarlin B. I'm Marcel, the Glamour. This is the show where we talk about all things Wheel of Time. If you're joining us from YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Um, leave a comment so we can chat things out. And today we're going to be kind of doing our final overview of season one of I guess the first season of the show. Yeah, I uh, I think there's there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to this season overall. It was kind of divisive, I think, in some ways, um, but in other ways, I think you know a lot of the fandom seemed to kind of coalesce around it. But uh, how did you feel about it overall? I guess is a good good way to start. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think I cried every single episode, which is probably a good thing. Um, And I fell in love with the characters in the world. And like, it was just really cool to see it all happen. And I felt really invested in the story. And I feel like it brought a lot of new things that were really interesting to get to see. I'm also just fresh off of a reread of the eye of the world. So I see how it might've been frustrating for people who like wanted it to be more like the books, but I, I like the deviation a lot. So I'm, I'm a happy camper. (laughs) I think I, I think I am as well. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I think uh, there were some things that, um, that were, I was critical of through the season. And I think, I don't know. I guess we can kind of just decide to consider like the the stuff about COVID, the the production shutting down, the fact they lost an actor um, <laughs> throughout like midway through the season, as you know why some of the latter part of it kind of seemed to lag. I think in some ways, but overall, I kind of felt like um, the performances really won me over because I think. Pretty literally every character that was introduced, um, I was interested in and and wanted to see more from. So I think that's a good sign, and um, it felt like the wheel of the wheel of time to me. So I I think that's counted among uh, what you need for a good at adaptation of it. So it worked for me, but uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll see we'll see where they go with it in the next season. Um, I'm definitely ready and, and excited for the next season. I do have some concerns about <laughs> what the next season might bring. And this is just like me reactions to like changes that I'm like, I feel like in some ways, and we can get to this when we talk about how it ended, but um, I'm wondering, things are gonna necessarily have to change that I'm worried about. Um, but you know, without getting into spoilers, too. but <laughs> it, I mean, there's just changes that I'm not, I can't conceive of how they're going to do, uh, how they're going to adapt it going forward because of the changes that happen, particularly towards the end. But, um, but yeah, overall, I, I, I'm excited. And uh, I think generally I liked it, so. Yeah, I, I echo your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, we kind of talked about how to do an overview of everything and give our reactions to things. And I guess we should start by like talking about how the show was structured in terms of like the director blocks and 
every two episodes were directed by a different person and were all done um, in order from each other, which is another thing I think that made the switch to COVID kind of like that switch more apparent, I think in the like narration of the story just because of those blocks too. So you wanna, yeah. should we dive in from there? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna butcher some of these names, um, at least. All good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Uda Brieswitz was the director for the first two episodes. And um, full disclosure, I saw the first two in the live perform or the uh, the premiere uh, viewing. They did a bunch of fan viewings um, the week before the the series actually premiered, and um, so I got to go see one. And I I I think that <laughs> that experience kind of like you know, colored how I felt about the first two episodes. Ooh. Tell us what but, um, that was like, though. I mean, it was. Was it, was it like Twilight cool. screaming in the theater, or was it silent? <laughs> it was. It was pretty noisy. Um, the people that were there were pretty excited um, to see it, and there was a decent amount, an amount of people dressed up in uh, real time costumes and, and cosplay, which were really cool. And I got to interact with a lot of those people. Um, cosplay. Yeah. There was mostly, you know, mostly like, um, I think there was mostly mats, which is always <laughs> mats. And I saw a bunch of Aiel, which was surprising. Um, and there was a few Gleeman there with the uh, the full color, colory uh, cloaks uh, from That's the books. Cool. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I think my initial thoughts of that first my, my first viewing of it was that that first episode and kind of not vibing with how it ended. I liked most of how the setup of the characters was done. And um, I, again, all the way through, I've loved the performances. I don't think I have really any criticism about the performances, but um, watching it on the big screen, I remember, because it was basically you do the first, you did the first episode, then they had like a sort of like um, behind the scenes look at basically the what they did on the x-rays um the like behind the scenes looks at the episodes but between episode one and two they had that and then I, mean, I remember thinking while that was going on before the second episode started I was like ah, it just it rubbed me the wrong way how quickly they left the two rivers um and and that no one really had a problem with it um you know aside from maybe Matt had a little bit of like you know he wasn't really sold but I don't know. It, it all kind of wrapped up really quickly. And I think that was a time constraint that they had um, that I don't think they could work around. But once you get into episode two, I was really more set at ease because I thought, okay, this is this seems more like what I was expecting. It slowed down a bit. They dealt with some of the character interactions and they actually dealt with the um, the one of the bigger plot points that I thought was weird from the first episode where they left the two rivers and you're supposed to understand that they were, they like specifically the four of them, um, Rand, Egwene, um, Perrin and Matt were being targeted and they agreed to go with Moraine as a way to divert the Trollocs that were coming um, from coming into the two rivers. And the second episode addresses that in a little bit, at least 
where Egwene is saying at some point, well, they did follow us. They didn't go into the two rivers. So I was glad that they kind of, <laughs> at least they didn't really address it in the first episode, but they kind of were like, it is clear that they're chasing them and not yeah. interested in the two rivers, but. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, there's no way that you would have known that there was anyone being targeted except maybe Rand. Yeah. Like, with the way that the Trollic attack went down. Like, directly to his house versus everyone else who's yeah. just in the town square or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe they could have done something where, like, they made it really obvious that the Trollocs were, like, avoiding the other Emmonsfielders or something. But... Right. I think, in hindsight, too, you really only get to see Lan, who's, you know, this badass fighter that we're supposed to understand is a really good fighter. We only see him fight, really, in this one episode. And you see him fight, I guess, again in episode four, I think. Yeah. You know, we really don't get to see him fight any other time. So, I mean, it does a good job. And I think we talked about it, too, when we mentioned this episode in the beginning um, of our show, where we <laughs> both like the um, the way they were fighting with uh, Moraine and Land, but you really don't see it again. So, I don't know. I think that might have been something they should have <laughs> included somewhere else in the, in yeah. the season. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, my experience was a little bit less worrisome because I got to watch three episodes in a row so I kind of got like in like an hour or maybe like two three hour span like just like get an idea of what the pace of the show overall is going to be like and it's just like okay we're going really fast (laughs) right and you kind of knew that had to happen because it's this the series is infamously known as such a a huge series of you know 14 books and um and a prequel i mean it's just you know there's a lot there's a lot that they have to consolidate so it made sense that it was going to be quick but i thought they should have taken some time in different places on that at least in that first episode but um but yeah i think i think this one was good i think this block was um (laughs) if i'm going to rank it even though i'm talking bad about ranking but um i would say it's probably my um you know it's not the worst one of them um but i I think uh i think it does pretty good job of um setting up the series and and kind of getting you invested um i just wish it would have spent a little more time in some places but other than that Um, what i've been seeing on twitter it seems like episode one might be one of the episodes that had the most cuts taken from it like that infamous Egwene coming out of the like painted water right shot that was in all of the promo and I was dying to see <laughs> it and everybody was like is it her like trial like right I have no idea it's like nope no clue it drew me in because I was just like what is what's happening here it was so different from the books and everything and yeah um, I should have read the pilot script but that's okay <laughs> yeah there if and for our viewers there was a pilot script I believe it's on reddit now and it might have been circulating on instagram and twitter too but uh essentially they had oh, I, I think actually the first episode was slated to be a two-hour episode and then um ultimately they wanted 10 episodes the season so a two-hour pilot and a 10 episode season and um so that's what was actually written oh good uh 
Yeah, that was apparently what know. was actually written, and uh, and they had to cut it to eight um, episodes, obviously, and an hour um, max per episode. So, um, I think that did hurt it, and I think um, yeah, that that um, so yeah, on Reddit and, and um, Instagram and Twitter, they're circulating a script that was apparently the original first episode um that was written that had a lot more scenes in it that were cut um i'm assuming for time but um but yeah i think it shows but uh but i think what you know what we get here is still good i still like i still like how the characters are set up and particularly in this first block i think um we really get uh, a good setup of the two rivers folk or the I call them yeah. two rivers folk um but uh you know basically our main uh candidates as the dragon I think those get you know get set up pretty well here mm -hmm. um and you kind of get invested in their stories going forward so so yeah um do you want to go to the next block or do you have more for this yeah um I guess my one other thing would be the villains like some of the, like the early villains like I really loved how they introduce the children of the light and kind mm -hmm. of make them like so much more like terrifying and like <laughs> make you understand why they're disliked in a very like visceral way. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they did really well with the children of the light. I thought. Yeah. I think one of the one of the things that um, a lot of the fandom, uh, I don't know, it was you know, there's a bunch of people on uh on on reddit and twitter um that respond to the show negatively because it's not so similar to the books and uh those people have been dubbed book cloaks because um <laughs> people are associating them with the white cloaks who are notoriously uh the jerks of the wheel of time and uh, like i think that's purists fair. to a fault yeah. right exactly <laughs> it's basically but ironically, you know, the White Cloaks are changed a little bit here. Um, they're still jerks, but their uniforms are different. Um, and kind of their, the way their uh, organization is set up is different. And they seem to be, like you said, they're a little more dangerous and uh, seemingly capable than the books. So I think those are all good changes. And I think Valda um, particularly was uh, pretty menacing and, and um, intriguing as a villain. So next one, next block were episodes three and four, three and four, Place mm -hmm. of Safety and The Dragon Reborn. These were directed by Wayne Yip. Um, I really liked this block. You were saying before we started recording that it's your favorite block. Yeah, um, I think it's my favorite because you get, in, especially in episode three, you get the sort of like the character development for the main the main um, people from the two rivers the, the most and um i really liked that aspect of the show um the whole especially matt and rand on the road um there's such a work <laughs> yeah i thought like especially uh, barney harris's uh matt he just i don't know like he almost if i had no inclination as to who the dragon was i kind of would have bought because the show tries mm -hmm. to show you this in the, in the next episodes, right, after, especially after Shadows Waiting, episode two, that he he's the he might be the dragon, um, especially in episode four and uh, five. But um, I think uh, that 
I don't know, that interaction with Rand and Matt on the road is such a big part of the book. And I think they do such a good job of it. Um, and the whole dynamic that they meet the, the, the dark friend in the um, in Bryn Springs and, and when they meet um, Tom, uh, the Gleeman, I thought all of that really worked uh, really well. And it kind of, that was the, because like I said, I, I watched the first two episodes and then I had to wait for like a week to get to the episode three. And once I got to episode three, I was just like, okay, this really feels like the Wheel of Time to me. Like that yeah. that stretch of episodes definitely um, into, and into episode four where we meet the Aes Sedai and, um, you know, we get Loghain's story which um, I love, I loved Logan's um, introduction and the way they show his power um, and the male channeling power. Um, and that all, that all felt really, really right to me and really um, all felt like the wheel of time. So I think that's kind of why I like this block the most. Yeah, yeah, and I love, I think my favorite thing about episode three is just that like, it brings in that dark friend paranoia because like you spend so much time worrying about like the big ugly trollics and then you like it turns out this like very like sweet barmaid dana who looks like she'd be like my best friend like i know turns out it's just like evil and i'm just like no <laughs> i was complete like it's funny because there's this very similar thing that happens in the book no spoilers for the book the eye of the world but uh there's a similar dynamic that happens. They're being chased by dark friends and all over the place. But um, I just didn't see it coming. Like, I honestly, yeah. I didn't notice any of the signs, if there were any, but she just didn't, she came out of nowhere. And, and I totally bought it once she revealed her, you know, reasons for joining and stuff, uh, or, you know, at least following the dark one. Um, it was really good. One sign that like, I feel, I feel like I should have seen the first time but in a rewatch I saw it was it I remember like the first time I watched episode three there was like a weird shot of like her side profile and I was like that's such an awkward like <laughs> shot of someone and then like and then I realized like, oh it was just like supposed to be kind of like menacing but like not right. really I think that I, I think this is a good block to highlight the way things were staged in that episode yeah. And again, we're only on the Rand and uh, Matt scene so far, but um, because they introduced Tom and you don't really know what Tom's thing is at this point, and he seemed menacing and like he steals money from Matt and, uh, you know, you get this sense of like, okay, this guy's kind of a rogue or he's yeah. dastardly. And then, you know, the Dana stuff just comes out of left field because you're kind of focusing mm -hmm. on what's going on with Matt the like and they've they've already painted him as such a dark figure or at least tending to the darkness and yeah. uh and so the dana stuff just comes out of nowhere and i think again it's just you know that the way that structured and played out was just way, really well done um and uh so yeah i think there's clips or there's 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 like you said there's like little bits of that i think when i watched on 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 um, rewatches of stuff like that, where they, it was framed in that way, if you were paying yeah. attention. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think that just speaks to how well that this block was done. Yeah, I think the other thing that really stood out to me, which like, I think it was like really cool in the first two, but then like in this one, the soundscapes and the music and the way that they like are mixing, like the way the world sounds and 
how like the music fits in and then like the in-world music versus the like soundtrack is just like so cool i remember i really liked the town of sabrine spring is that the name of the town and then our next block is also kind of one of my favorites just because it's so like i feel like if blocks three and four were like the most like felt like the most book wheel of time i almost feel like block five and six felt most like show wheel of time mm-hmm. done by sally richardson whitfield which is kind of our exploration of tar tarvalon tarvalon they say tarvalon yeah uh, we're we're just gonna be <laughs> when we start talking about the books i'm gonna just get really confused with yeah. how to pronounce things <laughs> I think uh, technically Robert Jordan has said uh, Tarvalon, um, but the again, the audiobooks say Tarvalon, Tar-Valon so it gets yeah. confusing. Yeah. This block, I think, definitely is situated at the um, White Tower, mostly in, Tar-Val- in Tarvalon. <laughs> um, what did you, I guess wh- my question is, what did you think of um the change just like as a general question the change um well I guess we don't need to necessarily spoil anything but like the idea that they're they're focusing so heavy on the white tower um in in this episode or these two episodes um so I mean I guess it's a slight spoiler in that we don't focus a whole bunch on the white tower in the first book but um they just just know that it's a place right where I Sedai are right people have mixed feelings about that I think for my my thoughts on it are that this is kind of doing world building for the sake of viewers who haven't read the books and wouldn't get the like pages and pages of just like everybody talking about it everywhere you go and the white tower kind of being this like presence over everyone um like in i don't know in like ways that like you can't fully understand but basically just showing that the Aes Sedai are super powerful but i don't know i think it also like daniel henny and rosamund pike are kind of the two main like big bill actors for this and so having an episode that kind of gives them both a chance to be the stars especially because i don't know what what they're gonna have to do next season (laughs) i think it's like kind of just like i think was also just like a big part of it is just like having like a chance to just develop them and kind of explore their worlds and lives and kind of just like give like the Evans fielders like (laughs) chances to just be chaotic around them and they just are just like okay whatever right right (laughs) fuck them kids I think (laughs) uh, yeah exactly I mean I think they do they do kind of just mess around while (laughs) while they get to this point in the series um in the season um but yeah I think uh I think I agree with you because I think it was a good idea to um to spend time here for those reasons because i think um uh daniel henny and uh rosamund pike as uh, moraine and um lan are worth focusing on um there's been criticism especially in episode five blood calls blood where there's a huge focus on um 
the warder, uh, Stefan. Stefan, sorry. Um, <laughs> who's warder to Karani? Karani? I forget how yeah. to pronounce her name. But um, they spend a whole lot of time focusing on his, uh, you know, I guess the water bond, but more just his relationship or his how he's dealing with the loss of his Aes Sedai. And um, I don't think it was bad because I think I like, again, the performances were all really well done. And um, I liked this actor, which I cannot remember his name at this point, but uh, um, but the actor who plays Stepan, uh, he's quite good. And I do enjoy his uh, performance, but I do question um, the the focus on him in this in this part in the series because I feel like like you said we have the the rest of the people from the two rivers you know they're in this episode but they're not doing a whole lot and um, you know it kind of takes some of the like spotlight off of them and puts it on to someone um, who doesn't really have it, like this whole arc of his Steppens doesn't pay off for anybody at the end of the season. Not for land, also, not for rain, not for any other character. Very <laughs> so kind of a weird time, focus. though, to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. There, there's definitely always... <laughs> another kind of light spoiler, but every Wheel of Time book, there's always some character that gets POV chapters that isn't necessarily uh, a huge, huge character in the series. Um, but I, I guess that's what they're doing with that. Um, and I, I guess I do like, you know, the kind of lore building with the Aes Sedai, the fact that he has to take the ring, like his last duty is to take the ring back to, to White Tower, to, which was eerily similar to, you know, like Mount Doom <laughs> as he puts the ring into that like fire, uh, fiery like pit or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I do like it. Also, I love, you know, you get, like you said, Daniel Henney gets to, to perform a lot more in this and, and kind of deal with the emotions that he has at the end um, of the episode, which I think was uh, pretty, pretty good. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I think this block is um, good specifically because I do enjoy the introduction of the White Tower and Swan and, um, and I think, like you said, it's a good idea to focus on it um, yeah. in this first season more than they do in the books. Yeah, and also, like, not to nitpick about the book changes, because it's not really what I, I don't know, it's not really what I care about with adaptations, but there's one very, like, key character that we don't get to meet in this season and a very large city that we don't get to go to and a whole different uh, level of government that we don't meet. <laughs> and like, that is like very important for the realm that we just like don't hear about. So I'm, that's like my one concern. And I think that if, if it was something that was included in the show, it would have been like during this part of the block. So I'm curious about what, why that choice was made. I don't know. Right. Tune in next week if you want to hear me talk actually about the right. <laughs> But <laughs> yes, we will we'll dive into, I think more of the comparisons too, but, but yeah, I think, um, 
I wonder now at this point, I, I, you know, I was hesitant um, initially because to say, you know, to, to criticize that, not including that city, um, that kingdom. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was necessary. Yeah, but we're just trusting the process. But I mean, yeah. at the same time, I'm kind of just like, how are they going to do this? Like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, like. I mean, if we look at episode six a little bit too, um, I think the choice was they want to get Swan shown. I yeah. think kind of if you if you take it in that way, where there was they 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 made a decision that we want we want the uh, the Armland seat to be kind of featured in the promotion of this, and I think it worked because I think like I said, I think the strongest parts of this is uh, the introduction of Swan. And the um, in the white tower, the white tower politics, I think, kind of gets a little bit introduced here. Um, and also, I think it's kind of cool to um, see uh, Moraine's um, kind of relationship with with these various, um, you know, Aes Sedai politics as well. So I think it was, you know, it, it's kind of we're gonna have to see how it pays off um, yeah. in the next season. But um, but yeah, I think. It's there's a little bit of maybe they just wanted some showy sort of thing to show. Like, yeah. you know, they wanted a, a cool thing to show. And I think that's why they chose the White Tower, because I think that's probably the most iconic sort of building <laughs> structure that's in the Wheel of Time is the the White Tower. And I think they might have just decided we want to show the Armland seat and we want to show the White Tower. And I think they just yeah. decided that. So I don't know if there was much more decision to it than that. <laughs> I mean, it was also just fun watching, like, getting to watch Leandrin just be Leandrin. Like, she ended up being kind of one of my favorite parts of the whole season. So I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm that just curious. Alana like, I'm just, well. yeah, yeah. I was not expecting to like Alana as much. Yeah. It, and then I think a lot of, the, I mean, maybe the other thing was they wanted to spend more time with those characters as yeah, well. So I don't. Because they come important. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, why so, didn't yeah. Leanne get more to do then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I think <laughs> it's okay. again. So I mean, we can we can bring in the part about COVID. The COVID shutdown happens at the end of this block. Oh yeah, and episode uh, six is I think it kind of suffers from it. We talked about this when we talked about the end of episode six, where uh, Barney <laughs> or Matt. Matt does not go into the ways or into the way gate with everyone. He um, stays awkwardly outside. And that is actually because at this point, at, at the end of the filming of episode six, he, um, you know, they have a shutdown for COVID. I, I think, I don't know how long it lasts, but um, essentially Good Barney Harris plays months. Matt for, yeah, it was a decent amount of time. Um, and Barney Harris does not return at this point. So they had to rewrite, I'm assuming parts of episode six. And, and also you have to kind of consider maybe they rewrote parts of episode one, two, three, and four and five as well to accommodate having to change the end of episode six um, and, and kind of fitting that into the rest of the episodes. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of hurt episode six for me as well, just because it ends awkwardly and like, I don't, I don't know. It just kind of took the the momentum out of that episode for me, and I think that 
isn't their fault necessarily, but you know, that's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, and then I guess it kind of brings us to the final block done by Kieran Donnelly. Is that Kieran Donnelly? I think it's Kieran. I think Kieran, yeah. Yeah, Kieran Donnelly, which like, yeah, it kind of episode seven picks up in the exact same kind of awkward way of them just being like, Matt, Matt. <laughs> and it's just like, oh no, like. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you don't, that's not a lot of time to like kind of figure out how to quickly refinagle everything into something that makes sense, like kind of right. given that, like I thought it was strange that we didn't, just kind of looking back on episode six that we didn't get to like see Matt being his like goofy self again. And I'm wondering if there's like a, a clip in the vaults right. where like they talk to him and they're like, how are you feeling? I but mean, I, I don't know. So, right. Cause he has a yeah. couple quips before, before they go into the way gate, he has like a couple quips of, you know, what if we changed our mind <laughs> before they go yeah. in? Um, yeah. there's just so I, many there's so many lines that he gives that I can yeah. remember <laughs> so I think yeah. that's a good sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but I hope I, I know it sucks that we don't get any more of him but um I wish he would have at least been able to finish out the season the way they yeah. intended it but um yeah, but yeah he so gave I mean, a great performance though yeah I think we get we get through episode seven um where they where they're you know it starts kind of it kind of starts off a little uh, poorly just because of having to tie that loose end up. Um, and I think it kind of still struggles through the ways. Um, Cause I think those are my like least favorite parts of that episode of, of episode seven, the dark along the ways they, mm -hmm. it's called the dark along the ways. And they spend like literally like five minutes in the ways. And I think that was a, <laughs> mistake <laughs> I don't know I mean I know they had to cut time but and maybe a lot of the scenes they had to cut because Matt wasn't there I don't know but um you know it just they didn't spend enough time there and uh I think there was way more that they could have gotten from that um mm -hmm. from that dynamic from them being together again when that, but I think that's the strength of this episode episode seven where they we get to spend more time with the uh the people from the two rivers you know sans yeah. Matt um, but I think that's the strength of this uh, this episode in particular. I also really liked Faldara and like getting to kind of explore that city because it was so different from anything else we'd seen up right. until that point. Um, and also meeting Min. Yeah. And getting like those like little moments of Rand and Min and like <laughs> just seeing their chemistry and just being like, oh, this is going to be so interesting. <laughs> And I'm going to yeah. speak for, I'm going to speak for myself, but I, I'm going to also maybe speak for the podcast. I think we're big fans of men here. And um, hopefully through our review of the series, we'll prove to you why men is one of the, the best characters and without whom, I don't know that, you know, the story would have had a good ending. So I think uh, she's a very important character that I'm happy um, is, is included in, in this first season. Cause you could have, you could have seen a way where they might not have included her in the first season, but um, I'm yeah. glad we got her. Um, and I think uh, the the actress is um, again really good. And I love how they do the visions for her. Yeah, I was um, just about to say I'm so glad they're better than what I imagined. 
because yeah. I pictured something really silly. So, <laughs> um, and I think the other part about episode seven is why I rate it so highly is because I I think we talked about um, the conflict that ends up between Egwene, Rand, and uh, Perrin, um, not really liking it, and I think uh, I still don't. I, I don't still don't get the point of that. I do need, I knew that they wanted tension between them, um, but it just came off really weird. And I think we're supposed to understand that this is Rand sort of pushing people away because he's, he knows what he has to go and do ultimately, I think. But um, I still think it was kind of forced. And that's yeah. like the one downside to it. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, this episode was probably one of my favorites just because I love how they get to interact after they've dealt with it, what they've done, you know, dealt with through the season, we get to see kind of the culmination of everyone's journey kind of end here is at least begin <laughs> their, their real arcs. I think is kind of where we, where we kind of um, leave it because, you know, essentially this is kind of solidifying who they're going to be, at least in some ways, you know, the, the, the journey that they've gotten uh, through at this point kind of, points them in a direction um yeah and uh yeah. I, I kind of like how that played out there yeah and I think you kind of get the like acceptance that they're like they can't go back you know yeah. like for each of their own reasons they can't just like be who they were episode one right anymore so and, sad yeah <laughs> it's sad but I just it's... didn't want them to fight <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, this, uh, this episode's good. Um, so I guess in the, in the season finale, if you want to, unless you had more to say on that last one. Let's get into the contentious season finale, right? which I'm not mad at after like, right. yeah, having time to think about it and kind of just, I don't know, digest it. I've literally read the ending this morning of the book oh, right. and I, <laughs> understand what they were trying to do but I also like don't understand and I like I feel like the things that didn't make sense from this version of the ending of the first I guess act of Wheel of Time because <laughs> right. it's not book one I mean it does like mostly follow book one but it's not like just the eye of the world in itself right I feel like they did a good job I think that like the main thing were just the changes that they had to make because of COVID and losing Matt were like the kind of main issues that I had and the fake out deaths. Fake Other deaths. than that, I was just like, this is far less confusing. We got <laughs> to give them a quota of fake out thing. deaths. We've got, we've had enough. They, they had a bunch in episode four. They, that was a lot of fake out deaths. And then we had two or three in this episode and it was just you know just come on give me give there me least, give me a little bit there were at least 20 fake out deaths in episode four <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know right i don't even remember how many people but um but yeah um i think it's important to note there's some structure i think i mentioned this in our review of this episode structural sort of problems with how i think the show is presenting the one power and how people are interpreting it just from the show aspect. From my understanding, right, and we can use episode four as sort of a, 
a way to to know how they're using the one power in the show because um Karine, the Steppen's eyes uh, to die when a naive does her like Kamehameha super healing wave she doesn't heal her because she's assumingly dead by that point right mm-hmm. so at the end of episode eight where Egwene heals Nynaeve we're supposed to assume I think based on that you know I'm just using that's a loose sort of uh, sort of way to stabilize the power a little bit or give it some rules I'm assuming Nynaeve was not dead at the end and that's how Egwene was allowed to heal her but the show does not make that clear and I know some people that I yeah she looks as dead as everyone else that died you do you know the same way so except her eyes were burnt out yeah that's the one that one piece but it's hard to tell that really but um that's just one of the structural things that went wrong I think and I think that has a lot to do with COVID um because I think uh part of the issue is they couldn't I think they had to restructure the whole ending fight I think they decided to (laughs) I think they had to rewrite around the fact that they couldn't get enough actors like uh extras to to do the battle scene the way they wanted that's my guess just because it's weird how uh how it's structured where it's like uh Egwene and Nynaeve and just three other people who can channel are able to do so much damage and and again, talking about episode four, where they battle a full-fledged Aes Sedai and like a whole group of them that are, you know, with warders are unable to take on like a group of like, <laughs> you know, people who are attacking them. Um, it's just, you know, it's just something about that. I feel like that I hope they address um, in the next season in some way to, to taper it back down or make it more realistic. Cause that's my biggest, I yeah. think that was my biggest thing. And I hate that I do that. Cause it's just, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a strategist. I'm not, I don't know how to structure like a, a defense of some wall, but I can just, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Why did they <laughs> have an inkling that they could do any of this sort of, um, I don't know, the way she was wielding the one power, you would have thought maybe uh, they wouldn't have done it in the in the order they did, where they just kind of went out in front of the city. <laughs> which I think that the idea was that they were like the last line of defense, and it was supposed to be like an attempt to protect the city and the people who were like still evacuating. But like I think that you're kind of supposed to assume you were gonna die. <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is like they were like this is the final battle. I kind of we get, get that the like too. we get the callback of like Manetherin kind of where they just like yeah. stay and defend their city no matter what yeah. kind of thing. And I think that she just didn't know that they were that powerful. And I think control is sort of the thing that we're supposed to think of because like with the Shan Chan, you can tell that together linked up, they're all super powerful, but there's like some level of control and like yeah. I don't know, but at the same time, like episode four, it seems like that battle should have been kind of easy, especially given like Moiraine in episode one took on right. all those Trollocs <laughs> so easily. Yeah. And so like, I mean, I get the, like my only like maybe thing that I could say is that Loghain weakened them so much because they were like trying to like shield him and then also right. channel 
I, I get the sense too that they were trying to set up that uh they were taken completely off guard like they weren't yeah they apparently weren't scouting the area and, and that kind of thing so in episode four when they get they just they kind of get attacked by a complete surprise yeah her like that were very very close <laughs> yeah it's like uh, they broke the wards and like then they were there so it was like what's the point of the wards um yeah. <laughs> but yeah i think uh i think the the one thing i will say is that i thought i guess my read of that episode where our amelisa is talking with agamar and he they're kind of talking and um she's more aggressive right she wants to win she doesn't want to just defend the city for as long as you know they can she keeps saying we have to protect the city and the city won't fall i took her stand at the end there as being overly she she wasn't like agamar agamar was trying to do the what he could do the most effectively or the most effective way she was going out there to just die i think or at least throw everything she could against the Trollocs, even though she wasn't defending the city to the last. She was out in front of the city is what it looked like. And this is, again, maybe because they couldn't shoot it the way they wanted it. But they were literally just out, from what I understood, in front of the city. So it wasn't even like that the Trollocs got, you know, pushed up against the fortress itself. She was just like, I'm going to take the fight to them instead of defending the city, which is what Aglomar was saying that they should have done. Yeah. So... I don't know. It, it, and it, I think that's just a, again, structural problem with that, that whole battle. But uh, <laughs> I think that aside, I, I think my favorite part, and I don't know if you felt the same, but my favorite part is the, the scene with Rand and Moraine and uh, the, the dark one um, at the eye of the world. I think that was the part, I mean, you, you could probably attest to this after having just read that, read the eye of the world, but that ending in the book is crazy and I was super worried that the show was going to try to <laughs> imitate that in some way or do something yeah. similar which I don't think would have worked at all and I really liked the way that they handled it um in the show which is funny because I thought they were I thought they would have done something completely different with the stuff in Faldara and that's the stuff that didn't really work for me but um the yeah. stuff with Rand was what what really worked yeah I think that was probably what had the most thought put into it <laughs> like I mean just like thinking about just time timeline and just trying to imagine having no idea what anything of like the production of the show was like <laughs> like I feel like that's probably one of the things that like they were like this is the probably like the roughest part of the eye of the world yeah. and this is like how like anyone who hasn't read the books and just happens to be tuning into this show is going to like experience this like big reveal and like moment yeah and they're like we got to fix it because like it's just like too weird to like yeah translate to tv <laughs> so. and you know part of part of our my effort at least in in in, in hyping up how weird this is isn't to turn people away from the books i think uh I think it's worth reading it um, yeah. just to, I mean, if you if found the first season interesting and you haven't read the books, definitely read the book and just prepare yourself for insanity at the end. Mm -hmm. But it's insanity that like, 
it's wrapped up really well at the end. So I, I say it's insane, but like at the end, we get to a similar place that we are in, yeah. in the book here or in the show. So it's not to mean that it's a bad ending. It's just um, it requires a lot of imagination <laughs> yeah. to kind of follow what's going on. I do have a concern for season two, kind of given what they take out of the ending from the book, but I won't. Right. I won't get into it in case someone hasn't read it, but I'm just, right. I'm wondering, because it's a big part of kind of the next stage in Rand's journey, and so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little worried, but it's okay. I think I know what okay. you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess, um, I think ultimately, I think the ending works for me. I think it was my, the last episode was actually my least favorite, and I think, um, I wouldn't say it was bad, but it was just like eh, meh for me in the middle. I really liked the stuff with Rand. I just had too many issues with the stuff that was happening in Faldara. I honestly, in some ways, I wish like they just didn't show that battle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, throughout the season too, and um, part of it, uh, you know, we get, and I kind of neglected to talk about my favorite character so far, but because we don't really get him, you know, we don't get a whole bunch of parent and, um, I wanted more, yeah. but to be fair, he's not super prevalent in the book. There's more that yeah. happens with him, I guess, just because it's a book and, you know, but um, at least most of it's in his head, but um, in the show, it just doesn't really do anything. So, <laughs> and the end kind of like, kind of slaps, slaps you in the face a little bit with, with his, you know, he doesn't get anything to do. Um, and then kind of, Yeah. And I think part of that, again, is the the part of, you know, I think that was meant to be something between Matt and, and uh, Pat and Fane. But um, I think they just had to rewrite it for Parent to do, <laughs> which maybe maybe was better for his character because I don't know what he would have done otherwise, honestly. So, um, but, you know, I think ultimately, though, some of that stuff really hurt me uh, for this last episode. But um, But I think... Particularly, I like the stuff with Moraine and Rand, because I think if and you've read some of the other books, they have such an interesting relationship that doesn't really get explored yet, which um, I think we get hints of in their interaction. So pretty much the from pretty everything to do with Rand in this episode, I really liked his introduction of his mom and uh, in the in the other episode and then um, and then uh, and then Luz Theron um in this in this one as the uh the cold opens were were both really good um yeah. so i love rand and moraine's like i feel like rand is just like i hate her where is she right <laughs> like i need her <laughs> i mean like i think um, i mean they do it so well that's again the performances are so well done like you can mm -hmm. see both those characters rand and moraine really well in this episode and I think uh I think we're gonna get a good uh a good season two out of that and that's kind of where I keep coming back to I'm just like yeah I didn't get everything I wanted wanted in the story but I got I got these characters come to life so that kind of why it's that's why I ended up so positive with it yeah I agree yeah I feel like I just fell for the cast of the world and just like I feel invested and I like right I know that I'm going to go into season two with no idea what's going to happen, even <laughs> like having read 
like right. at least up to like where I think they're gonna go and I'm just you, excited. I guess with uh I have a bunch of questions that I don't know if I want to go over <laughs> every one of them but I'm curious what did you I don't think I have this list listed but uh, what did you think of um the San Chan's sort of you know introduction here because it's the way it's played out in the show seems like well I guess I'm curious what you think of their introduction what do you what do you get what impression do you have of this group of people (laughs) I mean first of all random (laughs) exactly you're just like okay all this stuff happened kind of on the east side of the world like we've done this like huge travel like northeast together (laughs) right and then they're like somewhere far west and then you just see all these ships I don't know I thought that was like super random but I also was like super excited to see them so I was really excited that they were like in this season it's like even previewed um they're terrifying and it makes me I kind of think about I don't know some of the things that happened with like the children of the light which like were like super mild in the books and then the Sean Chan are just like not. So I'm like right. really scared <laughs> for like what's yeah. going to happen. Like, I feel like it's just going to be like, I don't know, trigger warning, I guess, for people, yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I had a bunch um, of friends who were like uh, completely, th- like they had no idea what to expect of that. And they uh, were excited for the next season for for, for that uh, introduction of, the, of these characters. So um I'm not going to say more because I, I have like opinions, like uh, spoilers that I, I think about it. But um, I, I, I think the introduction was, uh, it makes me think that they're going to be really evil. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. if uh, if that's, you know, what they're going to be. But um, just, you know, like you said, like the uh, the helmets that, you know, that some of the dudes are wearing and then the weird muzzle on the people who could channel Spikes um, on the ship like it's like don't trip yeah. and fall on that ship <laughs> i know exactly um but i thought it was a good setup hopefully we get a I, i'm hoping for a 10 episode season next time so i am like dying to know what was cut like i don't think that because of covid they got to like film extra stuff so we could get mm-hmm. like a lord of the rings style extended edition one day <laughs> yeah but like I think he he I think Rafe the uh, showrunner uh commented to someone's request to some sort of Rafe cut yeah um, no Rafe gonna, cut yeah, yeah no Rafe cut maybe they'll do Which it for the next fine. seasons <laughs> maybe I'm hoping I think I think this the season was very successful like at least um for Amazon <laughs> so hopefully maybe they can get 10 episodes and if not maybe at least get fully completed episodes that aren't (laughs) interrupted by a cast member leaving or uh COVID shutdowns which I think might be the case because I think they're almost done with filming um it seems like from just Instagram following all of the cast because I just am like obsessed with all of them now right it seems like they had like a little holiday break Daniel Henney his dog has a Instagram so I'm now following his dog oh. on Instagram I don't remember what his dog's <laughs> name is but um so like he like had like a say goodbye to my dog post oh. like, oh. um so I think that they're like all headed back to finish filming okay 
And That's like cool. people aren't saying that season three was confirmed, but I thought that I heard that it was like gonna happen already. But I feel like I they're gonna know. commit to it at this point. Um yeah. we'll see. But I, I can't imagine they they would let those rumors fly around if they weren't going to, but yeah, you know, we'll see. I mean, I guess they couldn't shut them down before season two came out, at least. So Yeah. Um, I'm all annoyed about the lack of Donald Finn like images yeah, no social, social media, media anywhere there's two pictures <laughs> this is like i need more <laughs> i want to see him hanging we, uh, out with everyone we linked we linked um a short or we linked to a site that has a short film that donald finn who's going to be the new matt in season two um in a in a film that he does um that i think if he pulls from some of this area for matt i think will be really good um in his performance there so uh i would go check that out i think it's linked on our last video on episode yeah. three of the great honey um but we can try to remember to yeah. include it in this one too maybe He's we'll good. find those two pictures too <laughs> yeah there's they a couple pictures together. floating around yeah so um i'm hoping um i guess if you want to do a quick like sort of segment of hopes for the second season and then um then maybe i'll ask some questions that i had just about the this the series that uh for the season one finale um i think more so just kind of generally season questions but our hopes for the for the rest of the show or at least season two um my hope and i'm i'm, I'm kind of thinking that we're going to get here because i can't see how they don't but i want to have the, the group come back together in like a really significant way and i want them to spend time with them together <laughs> that's my big hope for season two because um they seem kind of separated by the end of this first season pretty much everyone is separated except you know moraine and lan but uh i kind of want them to come together in a big way in in the second season yeah i agree I was gonna, that was what i was gonna say is another okay. reunion and like more time i also want them to just slow down somehow figure yeah. out how to like slow the pace down just just right. like a smidge i feel like that would be though just like just to like let the characters breathe maybe like a longer <laughs> like maybe an extra episode, episode or two Who yeah knows? you know yeah <laughs> i hope like, they can get a, a big premiere like a two-hour premiere or something if yeah. they can't even get 90 minutes yeah that would be really nice so uh amazon and rafe judkins if you're listening yeah. uh <laughs> as i know you're doing you take great our, you're doing a great <laughs> job just add a couple extra hours or episodes please yeah and if you're looking for extras right yes um, i would love to drink some ale in a inn <laughs> somewhere <laughs> I think I saw a casting call once where they were asking for any sort of musicians that spoke German and I, or some language that I'm not familiar with, but I think it was German. And uh, you were like, guten tag. I guess, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will do whatever you need. I'll say whatever you Pretzel. need. <laughs> I don't want to do uh, any injury to the people of Germany, but uh, <laughs> um. Okay, so I have, I think in, in lieu of our, our normal uh, um, Armland Decree and Gleeman breaks, I had a couple questions. And um, I don't know if you want to ask, you can ask me the same questions or if you had some too. 
But I'm kind of curious just for your own takes on how you felt about some things or where you think certain things are going to go. Um, I think we kind of touched on some of these, but um, one that I was kind of curious, and I think this works for since you just finished Eye of the World. Do you think, and maybe we kind of touched on it, but do you think anything was cut from that book that you would have wished they kept in? And I think you mentioned there was a place that they cut out. Is there, is there anything else or is that the main thing? Um, I think that there's also some helpful information for <laughs> Perrin that was also cut out, I think was another. Yeah. Um, that was, those were my <laughs> kind of two cuts that I think were important, but I have a feeling that they're kind of just like, this will have more time for it. Right. At another point. Oops. Forgot to mute my phone. There you go. Um, you kind of have to use your, or you get to use your eyes to die sort of uh, way with words to get around to and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want people, you should still read the books, but I think that it was like overall pretty faithful. And I yeah. think that for, I mean, there was also something else at the beginning of the eye of the world that I wish they kind of included, but it also makes sense why they cut it. Cause it's not really that consequential anything yeah so yeah that's true (laughs) um I think and just to answer that because I do have a my thing is like I wish um we would have gotten I wish we would have gotten more time with loyal I don't don't know if that counts as a necessarily a cut because we did get loyal but yeah we didn't get nearly enough time with them and I guess you could say the same with uh with Tom too but um I think I think those kind of hurt, honestly. I thought, you know, initially I kind of expected we wouldn't get as much of them as we did in the book, but um, I kind of, in retrospect, think it would have helped a little <laughs> to have them around a little longer. But um, I'm biased because uh, Tom is a fellow Gleeman, so yeah. Yeah, we stick together. <laughs> um, all right, here's a good one. Do you think, after all is said and done, uh, was Swan actually tricked by the Dark One to go to the Eye? Yeah. Was that the Eye? I don't even know if it was. I don't know if it was confirmed. That's true. <laughs> we, all we know is Rand recognized it. Right. I think that she was tricked, though. I think she and Moiraine were both tricked. Yeah. I think so, too. I don't know how clear it was, because uh, I think they... I think we talked about this too about the dreams we we're, we're assuming we'd get more dreams but we never mm-hmm. did and uh she does moraine says that the dreams can be they could be bad the, the dark one has gotten into the dreams so it's funny to me that she trusted swan's dream even after saying that but uh but yeah i think i think we can say that definitively but um you know it wasn't expressly said but uh let's see all right, here's another one for the ending, too. Is Moraine shielded or steel, stilled? And I think she shielded. This isn't, this isn't a spoiler, but stilled is basically the Aes Sedai or a female Chandler's version of being gentled, which is the, uh, the same thing that happened to Loghain. So basically, when you get cut off from the one power, if you're a man, it's called gentled. And if you're a woman, it's called stilled. Um, but she is effectively cut off from the one power, at least that's what she says. But I will counter that we see her 
with the same sort of shielding, right? As the dark one puts this webbing of shielding on her at the end of the episode eight, that seems very similar to what was put on to Loghain in episode uh, four. So I would, I would contend that she was actually shielded and not, uh, not stilled, but. She also still can't lie. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And if Moraine could lie, she would. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you could tell, like, she's just like always trying to get out of lying, like the whole time, which I thought was a funny, like, thread throughout the show of like a character yeah. trait is just like her just trying to figure out, like, how can I lie? <laughs> <laughs> she says, like, I think at one point, I wish I could lie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that was kind of, I think she's shielded. Um, I agree. I like this question you have about colorism in the show. I'd be happy oh, yeah. to talk about it. I think yes. Like I think that it's pretty obvious that like the darker skin actors of color tend to be cast as bad guys or in Loyal's case, like not human, which is like my biggest complaint with Disney is like, please just let the black characters be human <laughs> for a little right. while longer. Um, <laughs> I think, yes. I mean, it's like hard because it's like one of those, sh- it's like a show where you're like, wow, this is like the first time that like there's been like this much diversity in a fantasy show that I can think of. Right. Except maybe Merlin, not really, but yeah. Or like the Rogers and Hammerstein like Cinderella. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> I think uh I think they do um in Merlin particularly, like I don't know, it's just more obvious, but it's a British show. So that's a yeah. But I guess technically I don't know. I guess this isn't I don't know. I guess that doesn't really put you know matter for this series since it's so international. But uh but yeah I think um you know it was this the, the issue of colorism in that the darker skinned actors were were being cast um, in this way. I didn't necessarily see the issue um, up front. And so I was kind of ignorant to it. But then when I saw it, um, it made me re- you know, rethink it and um, kind of examine some of that. And, uh, and I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I think um, now in hindsight, even though I love the actor that plays Loyal and I love the actor that plays, uh, that plays Valda, um, and I think uh, who's the other? Patton Fane. Patton Fane, yeah. It's the other character that I really think uh, I love all those characters. So yeah, I love their performances, and I don't at the same time don't want to limit color, or, you know, people of color from roles just based on you know arbitrarily what line of the you know the uh, morality arc on, in the um, show they're they're on. Um, but at the same time, I kind of have to, you know. Maybe they should think about that going forward, I think. Yeah, but, uh, they have a lot of opportunities to like cast dark-skinned actors in many important roles in the future too. So I just hope that they they do that. And I think that, yeah. I don't know if, once again, Rafe, if you're listening, like <laughs> I know you've been really great about like, I don't know, responding to like the fandom and like being like a part of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like kind of an interesting thing to talk about. And one of my friends pointed out also, like, there's a lot of kind of Orientalism, especially in Tarvalon of like kind Mm -hmm. of the like Muslim 
or like Islamic looking things that are like throughout the, the city. I'm not very like knowledgeable, but I don't know. It's just like right. another thing to point out, but nothing's perfect. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's, you can almost write a dissertation about, you know, this kind of concept, like, especially like the sort of, um, you know, the idea of the wheel of time and how like Robert Jordan wrote with all these, you know, cultures kind of clashing together in this world. And it makes sense in the wheel of time because the breaking ruined world, like ruined the world and not unlike what might happen with global warming in our world, but like, you know, it pushes people and cultures together in a way that they might not have, you know, immersed themselves otherwise. And, um, and I think you can see that in some of the, the regions that kind of form, even though they have some similarities uh, in the regions in the wheel of time. And I think the show is trying to show that. Um, so it's kind of hard because it's, there's no show that's out there like this that has mm-hmm. the amount of diversity in it, at least that, that I recall. So um, it's kind of hard because on the one hand, I think you can criticize you know, these actors, uh, you know, that the way that they've um, casted some of the, the villains. But um, on the other hand, you have to commend them for kind of going out of their way to be inclusive. So it's, it's hard. But yeah, especially like kind of going back to our early discussion about book cloaks, a lot of <laughs> the criticism that falls on the show from like that side of the fandom has been about the diversity and kind of the way that they've kind of like included it into the story and like adding in queerness and all of that. And so yeah, right. it's very, it's a very interesting, I don't know. I'm excited to like keep talking about it. And that's part of why I'm so excited for season two is just because I'm like so right. curious how it's going to like continue as the world expands and like yeah. more people watch it and kind of grapple with what's in it. Because I don't know, when I read the books, I was kind of worried about how that was all going to play out just because it's like, I don't know, it's a book from the 90s and things are messy yeah Yeah. some especially notoriously the relationships are uh quite weirdly structured um yeah in the book Uh, I will say um some of them are really good some of them are really uh classic but some of them are really problematic so the the show has an opportunity to build some good relationships where they can kind of just get away with erasing some of the dynamics and the relationships that exist in the book. Yeah. And I hope yeah, they do. I'm, so I'm excited. I was kind of getting that vibe with our our friend Perrin where I left mm-hmm. off before my reread. I won't say anything more, but I was like, right. <laughs> Perrin, Perrin, Perrin. Um, okay. So the last question, I'll end with this question because. I think we kind of touched on it again um, on one, I think in the last episode, but Pat and Fane, you know, we get, I think we we talked about how we hear him in various episodes. Obviously we see him whistling in the first episode. And if you go back through all the various episodes, particularly in episode two, we hear that whistle again. We don't see Pat and Fane, but we hear that whistling. And I watched that episode, this scene again, it actually wakes Matt up, the whistling does. And when he's in Shadow Loga and he goes and finds the dagger. And um, we also hear him um, 
other times whistling. I can't remember every episode he's whistling in, but uh, we definitely see him and again hear the whistling in uh, when they're in fall in in, in Tarvalon. Um, and of course, we hear him in the ways as well whistling. We also see him come out of the ways, yeah. and at the end of the series, he has and we the see dagger. Him in the ways, we do see him in the ways. Yes. And seemingly, un, un, again, not marred by the Dark One, not marred by the Trollocs or Fades or anything. They actually, the Fades listen to him. So he clearly is in league with the Dark One by the end. But um, what were they getting at with the whole whistling part of it? Like, so there's a two-part question. What were they in your mind? And, and I don't think there's really any spoilers because they might be doing something different with him than the books. Um, maybe not though. So I'll leave it vague. Um, but I don't know. It, it's kind of like he clearly is following them all the way through, right? And somehow he gets the dagger. That's just a question mark because we have no idea what Land did with the dagger after Moraine separates Matt from the dagger. Um, but Pat and Fang has the dagger at the end of the episode and stabs Loyal with it. And he leaves with the dagger. And yes, <laughs> he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Um, but he leaves with the Horn of Valir and, and he also has the dagger at the end of the season. Was that his plan all along? Do you, I mean, like, that's my thing. Like, what was, what was he doing? <laughs> was he trying to capture them? Because he didn't seem to want to capture Perrin. He just followed them and took the dagger and the horn and left. So, curious. I, I don't know yeah. what to make of it, but I've kind of question for you. I mean, I feel like at this point, if Padon Fane is like in some way like communicating with the Dark One, he knows that Rand isn't there. Mm -hmm. So like he can't like do something like bring Rand to the like to the Dark One because he's already there with him. Um, He knows that like the other Tavirin have like their roles to play, but he's just like, like what's he gonna do? Like grab Perrin? Cause he's like, <laughs> I don't know, like way shorter than him. Right. <laughs> um, but having the horn would be a very big strategic like win for the dark side. <laughs> For the for the very reason where it's you know all we know about it is that the dragon needs it for the last battle so that he has it is seemingly a problem for the dragon. <laughs> um, is it? Do they explain that the horn like calls calls all the like heroes back so. to they like say, your side? Yeah, they say they say what it does like vaguely but yeah they do say like it calls all the heroes of the, the of, you know that have died back to, to fight in the last battle yeah. so um i don't know what people no one really made any sense of that i don't think that had didn't have any idea about what was uh um going on but but yeah so i mean i think it was a I don't know, again, if that was a, an issue of just the, the writing for the last episode, just kind of had to cut some stuff. But I do think it was weird that his, I don't know what the point of the whistling was. If it was just that he knew all along that they would end up, maybe he was guiding them towards Faldar, but how did he know? It was just <laughs> to like have us remember that he's like following them in some way, like yeah. some like Easter egg, like just 
someone's following you like my question and I'm, I'm wondering too if maybe part of why he was the only he was only interacting with matt is because he had um he wanted matt to get the dagger for some reason because he does yeah. push him to the dagger and maybe the dagger was supposed to be something oh was that his shadow then like in that episode like I'm in assuming. shadow logoth we the only thing the only thing i have to go off of is like the whistling wakes him up and kind of seemingly kind of guides him doesn't actually like once he wakes up i think it stops but he follows that and the shadow kind of like blends in so it's like you know i think it's supposed to be connected to pat and fan in some way but we don't know exactly but uh but yeah i think uh the guy who plays pat and fan is really really intriguing and i just again i wish we had more time with him because i uh, i liked his monologue at the end even though it didn't make any sense that he just left Perrin there after killing everyone else. But yeah. I mean, he guess he did say they all had a part to play. So maybe he didn't want to interrupt the whatever part Perrin had to play. But yeah, my one spoiler before watching episode eight, because I know they posted all those like those, they leaked all those photos was him sitting on Aglomar's throne with the horn his box which we still haven't seen the horn so i don't think he has it but that's like that's my theory (laughs) i'm gonna take we're gonna make you take some bets on uh what the what the horn actually is gonna look like because there's there's the the classic like french horn like curl sort of thing or if we're gonna get like the sort of trumpet sort of idea i'm curious because i'm thinking like a round like a french horn yeah yeah We'll see. Not like a French horn, not like the French horn like you see today. That's like really clunky, but just like a. Oh, you mean like kind of like a like the, the like horn a, of Gondor? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll draw one and put it on Twitter. So. <laughs> oh, we should do a Twitter poll to see what people think it's going to look like. But uh, but yeah. So that's that's season season one. Um, I guess we will figure out what we're going to do in the next episode and uh, be kind of eagerly waiting for episode two um, or season two, uh, which we have no idea when it's going to come out. Um, but yeah. I did read, or, I read I read some article that it's going to come out. It got delayed because of the Lord of Rings show. Uh, so I don't know what that means exactly, but it does mean that we will be waiting longer than we could have, I guess. That's on the wiki page that you sent me a link to that it'll be eight episodes. No. Oh, Hopefully they reconsider. <laughs> reconsider it. They might get they might get stuck with two or they might get stuck with eight episodes. I might just be, you know, they, they're gonna just say that's a formula that worked. Hopefully they could get like maybe at least one or two longer episodes or something then. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess next week, maybe we'll do like the start of a review of the eye of the world and kind of talk about that. And then maybe if there's any news about the show, we'll like, we'll give you guys (laughs) the details because they're so hard to find. I'm just kidding. (laughs) There's casting, there's castings we could talk about. Um, Maybe they'll, we'll get some more by the time we do the episode. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, I guess for next week, uh, if you could uh, 
get through if you're still trying to get through or, uh, the first book of the eye of the world um we will give spoilers but um we will also kind of just dive into that to that plot and kind of do a quick you know sort of summary and then dive into some you know particular aspects of it i think when we talked about how we want to do it is the series is really it's got a whole bunch of stuff that's it's a fantasy series that's delves into so much but my I think we both share an interest in the characters and I kind of think that's what we're going to focus on just to each, you know, each character, uh, character's arc through the book. Um, so we'll kind of hopefully have that neatly wrapped up for you guys in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure out how we want to do it. That's the plan. <laughs> yes, exactly. you for joining us on our fourth this is the fourth episode oh we have it written down correctly episode of the great honey find us on instagram and twitter at, at great honey pod and the great honey on tiktok and the great honey anywhere you can find podcasts as well as on youtube um we'll be releasing new episodes every wednesday back on a better schedule especially now that i'm done with grad school and yeah, until then, see you then. See you around. Until then, see you around. I'm sorry that was so awkward. It's okay. That's good. <laughs>